0: What's up, church? How we doing, everybody? We good? So good to see you today. I want to take a minute and want to welcome everybody who's watching online. And of course, everybody who's over at that Southside South Campus, South Campus, we see you and we love you. And we love you there, we love you here. And the best way we can show you is by clapping for you. Come on, will you clap for that person sitting next to you and just welcome them? So glad that you're here. What a beautiful day it is here in. Kansas City, we uh man, just love the fall. Just soaking it up. It's pumpkin season, pumpkin spice latte season, pumpkin patch season, pumpkin donut season. Mmm, little public service announcement. Carolyn's pumpkin donuts are amazing. Just throw that out there. I'm not sponsored by them, although I'd be open to it. So, anyways, um Hey, I want to take a minute. We are just in a, uh, a great season of our church. God is just pouring out his spirit in a powerful way, and he's reaching people. He's bringing people in. Last week, you know, we had baby dedications. And so if you were here, it was just amazing, just the cutest Sunday of the year with all the babies. And sometimes you'll be at one service, but you might not see the other one. So you're like, oh, what's happening? Uh, at both services, between both services, we had 36 babies get dedicated last weekend. Isn't that awesome, church? Come on. Love it, love how God's blessing families and strengthening families and he's bringing people home to faith and it's stinking exciting. If you believe it, say I do. Yes, yes. All right, well, hey, we're in a series uh, on the book of Nehemiah. We're gonna be in Nehemiah chapter two. So if you have your Bibles, I wanna encourage you to turn there to Nehemiah chapter two. Nehemiah is in the middle of the Old Testament, which is the first two thirds of the Bible, all right? So if you have your Bibles, turn there and uh, if you have your phones, just pull it up on your phones. We're going to be looking at Nehemiah chapter 2. And what, what Nehemiah is, it's a great book in the Old Testament written by a guy who sees a lot of brokenness and does something about it. And that's why Nehemiah matters for us today. Because how many of you know we live in a world full of brokenness? Like how many of you don't have to look very far to see a lot of brokenness in the world? Like you don't have to look very far in your own life. Come on, somebody to see some brokenness, and Nehemiah is all about seeing brokenness and then partnering with God to bring about restoration in the midst of that brokenness. So it's a very relevant book. It's got a lot of things to say to us today, and so we're we're jumping in, uh, and we're learning from it. Last week was a great week. If you missed I wanna encourage you to go online, check that out. We laid the foundation for it. We'll be referring back to it in just a second, but when you approach Nehemiah, or really any book in the Bible, it's important to understand the context. We, I like to say this, context is king. Everybody say context is king. You, it, which means you gotta know like what's around it what's happening, What you got to know the background, you got to know some of the, the the people, some of the players, so that you can understand what's actually happening because what it means to us might be different than what it actually meant back then. And what we want to find out is what it meant back then because that's when it's going to mean the most to us. Context is king. And what made me think about that reality this week is when I was driving down 435. I was heading to Kansas, and I saw this billboard, and I just thought this is a perfect example of context as king because I'm pretty sure when they put this billboard up, it meant something different than what it means today. Come on, somebody. If you haven't seen this billboard, here it is. <laughs> you can't see that. It says switch to a winning team, and it's got Patrick Mahomes. or it's like please don't switch to a winning team patrick please stay right here on the losing team that you're on at least for a few more weeks context really matters and so the context of this book is that the nation of israel is in captivity they were in jerusalem but they they came and they got captured and they're in captivity they're in exile away from their home which is jerusalem and they want to get home and there's this guy named nehemiah and he is a cupbearer to the king this is a great job okay if you're going to be in exile and you're not going to be uh home this is a great job because you're cupbearer to the king which means you taste everything the king tastes before he tastes it all right i mentioned last week is what i like to do with my kids at andy's you know when the when the when the custard's coming through i just taste all of it just to make sure it's not poison i just love my kids that much That's Nehemiah's job. So he's eaten the best of the best. He's eaten amazing steak cooked medium rare, well seasoned. He's eating eating some barbecue chicken. Come on, somebody. He's he's eaten great desserts. He's eaten, I don't know if they had coffee back then, but he's eaten organic fair trade coffee. And it tastes amazing. And so he's getting a chance to have all of the best food before the king has it. Not only that, but he travels with the king. So he'll go to exotic locations as the king moves around. He gets to live in a great palace. He would, he would, he would sleep in quarters that were close to the king to keep him from being assassinated. So he was available all the time. And, and he was able to advise the king. So, so he would be able to influence the king on different matters. And so he had a great Job, But his heart is in Jerusalem. And this is what we talked about last week. His heart is in Jerusalem because he knows that this is where God is going to bring the Messiah. From the beginning of time, from the very beginning of all creation, God said, I will make all that is wrong with this world right again. There will be one that comes to punish the enemy and to restore justice to all of mankind. And that one will come, and he will do all of this in Jerusalem. And so they're waiting for Jerusalem. They're waiting for Messiah. And Nehemiah knows that this is all part of God's plan. Now, here's what's important about this. And I thought about this uh, this week, that when we talk about vision, we do a vision weekend every year. And the verse we use every year for it is Proverbs 29, 18. And it's this, if people can't see what God is doing they stumble all over themselves. So if you can't see what God's up to, your life doesn't make sense. You continue to stumble. You continue to trip over yourself. But when they attend to what he reveals, when they see what God is doing, when they see what God is up to, when they see what, how God is bringing all of this together, when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. That is what is happening with Nehemiah okay? Nehemiah is seeing God has a heart for Jerusalem. God wants to restore Jerusalem. And I want to be a part of doing that. So how can I partner with God? And so we saw this last week. He starts to pray. The the idea last week was hurry up and wait. That's what he does. He sees a need. He's a man of action. But instead of rushing in and fixing the problem right away, he does the most important thing, and that's stop and pray, He's going to pray God's will into existence, all right? So that's what he's doing. And he's caring for the things God cares about, and he's praying for the things God cares about. That's what we looked at last week. Chapter 2, we're coming to this week. And we're going to pick this up. And what we're going to see is that all God is going to do this. Although God is going to do this, it's not going to be one, like, miraculous act. It's going to happen brick by brick. Everybody say brick by brick. That's how it's gonna happen. It's gonna be one brick on top of another, on top of another. Still today, that's how we build brick structures. You like I have seen like them like do some like uh, roads in brick that they can lay them all at the same time. You know it's pretty amazing. But when you're stacking brick, you have to go one on top of another, on top of another, on top of another. You can't put the top one up until the bottom one's there. And that's how Nehemiah is gonna do this. That's how we build a life on God. It's one brick at a time. And we see this in Nehemiah chapter 2. It's a powerful passage, and it's going to inspire us and transform us today. So if you're ready to jump in, say I am. All right, Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 1 says this, in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence Before, Okay, pause, put a pin in that. What's happening? He's he's telling us he's sad for the first time, but he's never been sad before. So Nehemiah has this life of professionalism. Nehemiah has been a professional. He's been consistent. He has been someone who has showed up consistently. And because he has, it's opening up a door for him right now in this moment. Jump to verse 2. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. Now, the king's like, hey, listen, something's up with this. I know, like, usually, Nehemiah, you're very professional. You show up ready. You show up early. You're ready to go. You put on a happy face. Because in that day, it was very important to put on a happy face. Because if you didn't put on a happy face, the king would be like, oh, your face isn't happy let me just go ahead and help you with that by removing your head from your neck. <laughs> so that was kind of the solution for sad face. And so because of that, you can see at the end of verse 2, Nehemiah says, I was very much afraid. That would have been terrifying. He's like, oh, no, it, it seeped out. Have you ever had an emotion where you're like, you're like oh, no, everybody can see how I'm feeling? That's, that's what's happening to Nehemiah. It's like, oh, oh no, ah. Uh, and he's like, I'm very much afraid. But he says to the king, watch this. May the king live forever, but why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Pause. Put a pin in that for a second. Here's why this is really, really important. It was actually King Artaxerxes' policy that was keeping the walls of Jerusalem from being rebuilt. Because because you guys remember, like, back, the temple had started to be, uh, being rebuilt with our, our good friend Zerubbabel, the fun, the fun name to say, right? Zerubbabel. Like, he had started to build the temple, and that had happened. And then Ezra was building the walls. But somebody came and said, hey, listen, if these Jews build this city, man, it's not going to be good. So we need you to stop this. Stop it, because they're going to rebel against you. So the king's like, oh, okay, look, stop the rebuilding of the wall. This is King Artaxerxes' policy, and Nehemiah knows it. So not only is he having a sad face when he needs to have a happy face, he's basically saying, King, I don't like your policy. This is crazy. If he didn't deserve death now, he was definitely going to get it. Or before, he's definitely going to get it now. Watch this. But the king says to Nehemiah, what is it you want? Everybody say, wow. Wow. That wasn't very, like, excited, everybody. Everybody say, wow. Wow. Yeah, that's what we should say when we read it, because that's crazy. Like, that, you shouldn't get that result. But God's working. God's doing some stuff. So then he prays to the God of heaven. We actually don't even know the prayer Nehemiah prays. It's one of those little shotgun prayers I like to call it, right? Have you ever prayed a prayer, like, real quick-like? When you're like oh god jesus father holy spirit everybody angels everybody who's there anybody who's listening i just need you help me that's what he does that's what he does and i answered the king if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his sight let him send me to the city in judah where my ancestors are buried so that i can rebuild it then the king with the queen sitting beside him asked me how long will your journey take and when will you get back it pleased the king to send me, amazing, amazing. He gives him exactly what he wants, so I set a time. And then I also said, if it pleases the king, May I have letters to the governors of Trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the royal park, so he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my request. Everybody say, "Wow." wow, that's amazing. So I went to the governors of Trans-Euphrates and gave them the king's letters. The king had also sent army officers and cavalry with me. Somebody's walking in favor. That's amazing. That's unbelievable. And what it teaches us, I believe, there's, there's so much that you can learn from this, but I just want to pull out three very super practical principles. That's what I love Nehemiah because he's teaching us spiritual principles, but he's teaching us very practical principles. And those two things weave together how many are glad that like like brains and spirit aren't mutually exclusive you know god likes your brain and he wants to use your brain and he wants to help you actually practically live this thing that he has given us the grace of life out okay so here's three lessons that you can learn practical on how we build brick by brick number one what you do today is the reality you will experience tomorrow What you do today is the reality you experience tomorrow. Number two, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And number three, every breakthrough starts with a bold step. Okay, what you do today is the reality you experience tomorrow. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And every breakthrough starts with a step. We're going to do this thing brick by brick, okay? So before we do, I want you to to turn to three people and say, hey, God's going to get you there, but it's going to be brick by brick. Come on, tell three people. Say, he's going to get you there. But it's going to be brick by brick. It's going to be brick by brick. Okay. Number one, what you do today is the reality you will experience tomorrow. This is really, really cool about Nehemiah's story. Because verse two, as we talked, he said, I had not been sad in his presence before. Now, doesn't say he had never been sad. No, he had been sad, but just not in the king's presence, right? I'm sure Nehemiah had had a few rough days, but you know what he had? Self-control. He controlled his feelings, and because of it, he was elevated. And he had done this consistently for a long period of time so that he had earned character. Okay, now... I'm sure Nehemiah had some bad days being the cupbearer, right? Like maybe like some of the food didn't taste very good one time. You know, who knows? Maybe someone had tried to kill the king but wasn't very successful. Their, like, their, their poison wasn't good and he got sick from it. Maybe some days he just didn't want to go to work. How many of you know, like now he had a good job, but how many know you can have the best job but it's still a job? How many know you can work at Disney World but it's still work? This is Nehemiah, he's got a great job but he gets control of him. I'm sure there's some probably some times when Artaxerxes rings the little bell. He's like, hey, Nehemiah, ding, 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 ding. I'd like some wine. And Nehemiah's like, oh, golly, this guy, he's always wanting something. Here you go. And He changed his face. Every time he stepped into the king's presence, whatever he was feeling over here, he fixed by the time he got over there. Okay? He lived a life of consistency and character and pushing past his feelings he never looks bothered and he always pushed past his feelings how many of you know we live this is important for us how many of you know we live in a society which elevates feelings above scripture like we talk about, hey, however you feel, that's like whatever your reality is is how you feel. Like that's however you feel, man, so be it. That unto you, that's great. However you feel must be your, the truest, highest expression of your ultimate reality. But how many of you know this? Feelings lie. Feelings betray us. I may feel like McDonald's is a healthy option, but it doesn't mean that it is. I may feel like I can fly. I may feel like I'm Peter Pan, but if you know I go off on the uh, top of my roof and I take a jump, gravity's going to win. I may feel like I'm the president of the United States. Maybe I just go down to Washington. I'm like, I think I might just try to run in this thing for a change. You know, let's go. Let's and I walk into that White House. How many know I may feel like the president, I'm gonna be tackled and put in prison. <laughs> Like, that's just how it goes. Your feelings will betray you. And Nehemiah consistently pushes past his feelings, and it earns him something that is more valuable than all the wealth in the world. It's a good name. It's a good name. So, King Solomon says in Proverbs 22 a good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver. Or gold we see this get played out on a weekly basis don't we you know it just seems like it's uh, it's every week there's someone else who's lost their good name they may had a lot of money they used to have a lot of influence but because they betrayed that now they've lost it all and now they don't have a good name a good name is more desirable than great riches because Nehemiah has a good name when the king sees that he has a sad face He's like, that's unusual. You've had a track record of consistent character. What's going on? It earns him favor. The Bible also says that your gift will bring you before kings. Your gift of character, your gift of consistency. Man, we need some consistent character up in our world today. Can I get an amen? We need people who are like, you know what, I don't care how I feel, but I know what what the word of God says, and I'm going to be true to the word. I'm going to live a life that honors God no matter how I feel. And that is going to earn a good name, and that good name is going to take you places. It may take you to the place where God can use you to accomplish his purpose. And also, a bad name can keep you from the place that God wants for you. So that's why it's important for us to think about the reality we want to experience tomorrow. So people are like, oh man, tomorrow, man, oh. Tomorrow's gonna be amazing. Five years, 10 years, I'm gonna have my stuff together. It's gonna be awesome. I'm gonna be organized. I'm gonna be consistent. I'm gonna love my spouse. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be amazing in five years. It's gonna be awesome. I hope that's true. But you know how it will be true is if you start living that today. The seeds you sow right now are the seeds or are, is the harvest you will reap tomorrow. The life you live right now is the life you will reap tomorrow. Your now matters because yesterday's, yesterday's decisions are what you are reaping today. Isn't that true? Now, some of you some of you, are like, man, that's kind of hard, though. Some of you are like, yeah, and that really stinks. Here's the good news about that as it relates to yesterday. No matter how bad your yesterday was, God can change it, he can redeem it, and he can bring you to a new place. He's amazing at rebuilding what is broken. He's amazing amazing at bringing beauty from ashes, from restoring broken walls. That's what Nehemiah is about. And some of you might be in experience right now. You might be having a reality right now where you have redeemed some bad decision making. I want you to know you haven't gone too far. I want you to know that God sees you. He knows where you are, and he can still do something amazing with your life if you'll just bring him in. And start saying, God, I want my tomorrow to be amazing, so I'm going to start living right today. So he, he, he has character, but the most important thing that Nehemiah is consistent in is prayer. When you look at Nehemiah's life, he prays consistently. He's consistently praying. Remember, we, we, lo- we saw last week, he prays for four months Remember, we looked at that. We talked about the, like the acts pattern, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. He's doing that for four months. He's laying consistent prayer tracks for his life. And because he's consistent in his private moments, he has a testimony of consistency in his public moments. And when the heat is on, what does Nehemiah do? Verse 4. Then I prayed to the God of heaven. So the, the pressure's on. He's feeling it. He's like, oh, no, he saw my sad face. Ah. Instead of just being like, I oh, don't know, king, I'm great. Everything's fine. He goes, oh, God, help me. God, come through for me. Lord, will you please help me? This dedication of prayer that he had before is what he is reaping right now. You see this all throughout Nehemiah. He throws up these little, I, I like to call them like little dynamite prayers. You know, because dynamite's relatively small, but it has a big, big impact. So I feel like he's just kind of going through life and he'll throw up a little dynamite prayer. You guys know what I'm talking about? Just God help me. Lord help me. Jesus help me. That's what he's doing. Look at Nehemiah chapter 4. He says, hear us, O God, for we are despised. So he's experiencing opposition in in Nehemiah 4. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in the land of captivity. So this is kind of like God kill my enemies type of prayer, you know? Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins. Don't even forgive them, God. Just send them to hell. Literally, that's what he's praying. It's kind of dark. But he prays it. He's just praying, verse uh, Nehemiah chapter 5, remember me with favor, my God, for all I've done. He said, God, remember me. I've been faithful. You honor me, Nehemiah 6, 9. They were trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work, and it will not be completed. But I prayed, now strengthen my hands. He's experiencing this opposition. He's like, oh, God, they're coming against me. Oh, Lord, I'm trying to do your work. Will you just strengthen my hands? He's throwing up a little dynamite prayer. I want to encourage you, do not neglect the power of a short burst of dynamite prayer. Like, as you're going through your day, as you're interacting with your employees or your your fellow coworkers or your employer, you can pray a little prayer. As you're interacting with your spouse, oh, God, help my marriage. God, help my kids. God, change my boss's heart. God, kill my boss. Just kill him. I'm kidding. Nehemiah did, but you, and so did David. But you, you probably shouldn't do that. But he's praying. He's talking to God. He's talking to God. And because of it, he's lived a life of character. He's lived a lifestyle of prayer. And because of that, he reaps what I think is one of the most unbelievable phrases in all of Scripture. Verse 4, the king said to me, what is it you want? Are you kidding me? Not only is he not mad at you, not only didn't he just kill you on the spot, but he says, "What do you want?" That's favor. That's consistent character plus prayer equals favor. That you can make a little you can make a little little equation there. He went from being terrified to winning the lottery. God can do things in the natural that you never could. He does it supernaturally. He brings about his will. And it comes down, and this is why I want us all to think about this. It's this question. What do you want? Do you know God asked us that question? Jesus asked the disciples, some of the first disciples to, call, to, to follow him, he asked them, what do you want? John chapter 1, when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus like, what do you want? What are you looking for? And the disciples are like, uh, uh, uh. We, want, we want the Messiah. We want life. And he's like, let's go. You, that's not the only time. In fact, when, when uh, there's two blind men who need to uh, be healed, they're calling out for Jesus as he passed by. And Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, Rabbi, I wanna see. Jesus said, go, your faith has healed you. And immediately, his sight he received his sight and he followed Jesus along the road. I don't believe that's a one-time offer. I think God is constantly coming to us and saying, what do you want? Can I just ask you, church, can we just stop for a moment and ask ourselves, what do we want? Who do we want to become? You know, we've done this series before. We had like a rocking chair on the stage, and, and and we say, what do we want to feel when we're in the rocking chair looking back on our life? What do we want it to be? Who do we want to be? We need to live with that rocking chair perspective all the time. Who do I want to be then? Because who I am now will determine who I am then. What do you want your relationships to be? What do you want your finances to be? What do you want your work to be? What do you want all of this to count for? Start now. So who you are today will determine what you experience tomorrow. Secondly, everybody say number two. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Now, how many ever heard anything like that? Just raise your hand at both campuses. You've heard that probably in leadership class, probably at the beginning of your college you know, uh, classes, your professor's like, well, I just want to tell you, know your syllabus because if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. (laughs) And here we are in church telling you the exact same thing. But I think it's important because Nehemiah was successful not just because he prayed, but he also had a plan, didn't he? He was ready for the moment because as soon as He throws up that little shotgun prayer. What happens? King's like, well, what do you want? I mean, imagine if Nehemiah would have been like, uh, a cracker. I mean, that would have just been bad. (laughs) King would be like, all right, here you go. Fix your face. Let's go. (laughs) But Nehemiah had a plan, didn't he? You remember it? I also said to him, "If it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of Trans Euphrates, so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the royal park. While you're at it, can I have the? Can I have some timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the by the temple and for the city wall and for the residents? I need a house. Can I get some wood from the royal park?" He spent four months praying, but as he was praying, he was also Planning. I want to encourage you to have a plan for your life. Sometimes the reason we don't experience all that God wants us to experience is not just because we haven't prayed, but it's all we we haven't prayed and we haven't planned. Or maybe we have prayed, but we haven't planned. If you want to be successful in the things that you want to be successful in, make a plan. That's what he's saying for your life, for your family, for your business. I I mean, the building process has really taught me this as we've gotten into this building of our new facility. You know, because like this was back in March, we we went through the merger and then we started talking with architects, and I was like, you know, how, uh, you know, let's talk this through. I was like, okay, let's build this out. And they're like, yeah, the, the, the design process is probably gonna take like three months. I was like, three months? It's already a church. What else do you need? I mean, we're going to move some things around, but it can't be. I mean, I mean paint some, you know, we will pick the paint colors. Can't we do this in one meeting? Maybe three hours. Let's make it an all-day meeting. Can we shorten this process? Turns out when you start messing with things, everything affects Everything. So you start moving the walls. You're like, oh, well, now you're going to need more structural support. You start raising the ceilings. Now that affects uh, fire suppression and, and air handling. And, and and they were like, man, we really want this building to be secure because, you know, like structurally because, you know, apparently that matters when you have people in it, you know. And so um, sort of like, hey, you're moving this wall. We're going to have to d- dig down 20 feet deep. We're going to have to put this pier in, and it's going to be structured. I mean, this building is going to be the strongest building in Lee Summit. I just want you to know this. Steel is everywhere. So if you're in a storm, just come to our new church, all right? Because this is going to be rock solid. Tornadoes won't stand a chance. F5 tornadoes are just going to come up and be like, no, we give up. We're done. Just can't. Building is too strong. It it takes time, though, to design it out. It takes time to design your life the way you want to go maybe you're struggling with something it's not because you haven't prayed about it because you've prayed about it maybe you're struggling with the same thing you've struggled with for a long time and you've prayed with you've prayed but you haven't planned maybe that temptation keeps messing you up because you haven't planned a way to get out you haven't planned for accountability You haven't planned to be in a group where you can get a support structure where people can encourage you. You haven't haven't planned to get counseling. You haven't planned to to grow yourself with reading books and and developing your personhood. Sometimes, I would say, Nehemiah is saying all the time, if you want the best result, you pray and then you also plan. Maybe some of you, God is speaking to you about making a plan, a plan to step your game up a plan to get more involved, a plan to reach your neighbors, a plan to get in a group, lead a group, multiply your group. If we fail to plan, we plan to fail. And here's the best thing about that idea. And it's that as you make a kingdom plan, you can be encouraged that you're always a part of a bigger plan. That's the idea of Nehemiah. Because what, what's happening in the background is Nehemiah is just taking, he's just stepping in to his place in history. He's just stepping in and stepping up. He's stepping into the giant plan of God. Look at this. It's, it's, you can see it in this verse. And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my request. Who ultimately brought about the favor that Nehemiah experienced? God. It was God. God working behind the scenes. God bringing about this amazing plan that, that, that's happening and Nehemiah's experiencing. God's heart was for Jerusalem to be restored. Nehemiah is just stepping in to his place in history. I want to encourage you with this God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for your life. He wants you to step in and step up to what He is doing in our city. I really believe that. God is rebuilding people's lives. He wants to use you to be a part of it. He's given you gifts. He's given you talents. He's given you resources. And you have a chance to step up and step into what God has. But if you don't plan for it, you may not do it. Maybe before you leave today, you say, God, I'm going to make a plan to do what you're calling me to do. Just open your heart to him. He will speak to you. And it culminates all with this idea of taking a bold step. You can see this. Every breakthrough starts with a bold step. That's the third thing that we see. I think this. I think it's not enough to pray and not plan. I also think it's not enough to plan and not pray. But I think it's actually not enough to pray and plan. There's one more key ingredient. You've got to take that step when it opens up. You got to take that step. Because look at this in verse 2 of Nehemiah. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, I looked up very much afraid in the Hebrew. Do you know what it means? Very much afraid. (laughs) Means scared to death, means terrified this is kind of like your life is flashing before your eyes. Why? Because he's attacking the king's policy. Like he's coming right at him. This is not, this is not a democracy. See, we're very used to speaking truth to power and letting them, letting the people know what we think. Not in that day. This is, this is a death sentence. He was afraid but in spite of his fears and the potential consequences and what might come about, he takes the step of obedience he knows that God is calling him to. That's uncertain. But that's, not, that's just the first step of uncertainty. As he gets ready to move into this whole thing, as he starts, starts going to Jerusalem... It's one uncertainty after another. As he starts rebuilding, we know that he's going to experience opposition. He doesn't know any of all that is going to happen. He doesn't know how hard it's going to be. He's leaving the palace life. He's leaving palace life for uncertainty, and yet he's excited about it because he knows it's God's heart. If you want to step into all that God has for you, it's going to require you taking a bold step And that step may be very hard. I I, I mean, some people, like when they talk about Christianity, you know, like, oh, man, God will never give you more than you can handle. Like, man, no, this is too much. You got too much on your plate. This is doing too much. It's too busy. And God's like, what? (laughs) Where are you getting that from? Because I'm pretty sure, like, Every person throughout the Bible who was used by God had more than he could handle, (laughs) including the Son of God who got to a point where he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's like going to the cross, getting whipped, getting beat, having the Father turn his face. Are you sure about this? If there's another way, can we go another? No. No. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. See, when you're willing to take that bold step, that's when you experience your victory. You pray, you plan, and then you step. And it's bold and it may be difficult. God may be calling you to do something you've never done before. I I mean, it maybe, maybe it is as simple as being a part of a group, and you've been fighting God on this. God's like, I want you to be a part of a group. I don't need a group. Yes, you do. Get in a group. We all, all of us need people in our lives. Maybe God's calling you to step, maybe God's calling you to step into leadership. Maybe here at the church. Maybe it's one of our outreach teams. Like, man, I've never done that before. Or maybe, maybe God's, some of you, God's calling to preach the word. And you're like, yeah, but would you know? Do you know my life? Do you know where I've come from? God does, and he still likes you, and he's still excited about calling you to what he's calling you to. But you gotta take that bold step. You gotta take that bold step saying, God, I'm willing to do what you want me to do. Success is found in the step. That's success. It's saying, all right, that's what you're calling me to? Let's go. You won right there, just by stepping. It's not the result. It's the step of obedience. That's where the blessing is. Nehemiah does that. And God uses him to fulfill the kingdom of God. And we've been talking about this idea, right? Even with Esther, we looked at Esther, where Mordecai says to Esther, hey, if you don't do this, Hey, God's going to do this. God's going to raise up relief from someone else. But maybe, just maybe, you've come to your royal position, this opportunity that you have right now, this place, in this church, in this city, at this time, for such a time as this. I can't control the future. I can only do my part in what God is calling me to do today. And when you do that, God's going to honor you. He's going to bless you. When, well, I can't say my favorite movie. I've only seen this movie one time. But it's a movie called We Bought a Zoo. Anybody, just both locations, you ever see that movie? Okay. The movie came out several years ago, but it came out at a time like uh, when we were, we were getting ready. To, we were praying about planting this church. And... You know how God can use, like, random things to speak to you? Have you ever, like, been in, the, like, a moment like that where, like, complete like, he'll use a, a baseball game or, you know, just, like, an interaction with somebody who's like, oh, my goodness, that's so true. That's amazing. Yeah, okay. Sometimes, you know, God will do that with, like, a, a TV show or a movie for me, and we're watching this, and it's all about, like, they buy this zoo, okay? So they're, like, they take this step, and it's like, oh, we're going to do this. We're going to live for something. We're going to live for animals, you know? It's going to be amazing, and so they're going to buy this, buy this zoo, and he says something that, like, I was watching this movie, and, like, the whole time, like, I'm praying about, like, taking a step and planning a church, and I'm crying, and Jen's looking at me, like, what's wrong with you? And, and he says something, I was like, that's such a powerful idea. He says, you know, sometimes all you need is 20 seconds of insane courage, just literally 20 seconds of just embarrassing bravery, and I promise you something great will come of it. Now that's kind of a cool quote, but let's be honest: a lot of people do a lot of dumb things in 20 seconds. It's true, right? I mean, <laughs> you ever done something like, "Man, I wish I could have those 20 seconds back"? <laughs> you, know? Um, you know, America's funniest home video is full of uh, decades of people doing stupid things in 20 seconds of courage. But in our following of god i believe you can take that idea and adapt it and enhance it and say this sometimes all you need is 20 seconds of insane courage when following jesus come on somebody just 20 seconds of embarrassing bravery and taking a bold step in response to what he speaks to your heart and something great will always come of it i believe that don't you church you believe that I believe God is speaking to our hearts. I believe God is calling us to take a step, a bold step towards him into all that he has for us. And I believe it's because he has something amazing that he wants to include us in. I believe he's sending revival to our city. I believe many people are gonna see and hear and trust in the Lord. And he wants to use you to be a part of it. He wants you sitting on the sidelines. He wants you in the game. Let's do this, right? Let's do this. Let's take that step, whatever that bold step is. What's he calling you to? What's he challenging you on? He will speak to you if you ask him to. Just like Nehemiah, he heard the prophecies of Isaiah and said, I'm going to do something about this. Let's rebuild this city. I think we can say the same thing, amen? Let's rebuild this city in Jesus' name. Let's take it back for God so that the lost may be found. What, what is your part? Let's pray and just ask God to speak to us. Lord, we love you, and we thank you so much for what you're doing in our hearts and our lives. Lord, we thank you for how you are speaking, working, and, and building your kingdom, Lord. And that's what we want. We want to be a part of your kingdom. So, Lord, I pray that you would speak to all of our hearts. Help us to know what you would have us to do. Help us to see what you would want us to see, how you see this city, how you see our lives, how you see our workplaces, how you see our families, Lord. We pray that you would let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and start with us, God. Start with me. Start with our church, Lord. Starting our families and God, we pray that you would bring revival. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to take a moment. I just want to ask you, you're here today in the presence of the Lord at both locations, watching online, and God is speaking to your heart and he's challenging you and he's he's saying, "Hey, I want you to I want you to take a bold step. It might be repenting of a sin. It might be confessing to a spouse. It might be taking a bold step and in getting involved. It might be taking a bold step at your workplace, winning your neighborhood. Whatever it is, God's calling you because he wants to bring you into a place of greater favor and blessing, but you got to take a bold step. And you're here today and you say, man, this is speaking right to me. I need to do something about this. If that's you and you're saying, in the presence of the Lord, while I'm at church, I'm saying yes to God. Would you slip your hand up all across this place and say, I, I want to say yes to what God's speaking to my heart. Hands going up everywhere. Just hold it up. Hold it up. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for every person who's raising their hand. God, I gotta pray that you would speak clearly, speak true, let your kingdom come in our lives. Lord, as we take bold steps for you, Lord, we pray that we would hear your voice clearly, that we would walk in obedience to you, and that, God, by your grace, we would change this world for Jesus Christ. We thank you for it. You can put your hands down with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. One more question before we wrap up our time together. You're here today, and the reality is you're not right with God. You're away from God. The bible says that if you're away from god you will spend eternity away from god but it gives us a gift of repentance he gives us the gift of turning from our sin and turning to him so that we can be in relationship with with him the same relationship that he created us for in the garden of eden he wants to bring us back to that but we have to say yes to him and we have to say yes to jesus jesus said i am the way the truth and the life and no one comes to the father except through me and his miracles prove that he was the son of god and he is here today his presence is here today the spirit of god is here and he's saying come come home come home to the life that you were made for come home to the life that god wants to bring into your life you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have it all figured out. You just need to say yes, and God will meet you, and he will help you. If you're here today and you're saying, this is speaking to me, I need to give my life back to God. Maybe for the first time or for the first time in a long time, I want to pray for you. And i believe God to do something powerful in your life, and that this would be a moment of transformation. If you're here today and you're saying, that's me, Scott, I need to, I need to make a decision to follow Christ Maybe for the first time, or, or, or for the first time in a long time, would you just slip up your hand and say, "Scott, pray for me all across this place." Just hold it up and keep it up, so I can pray for you. I see it. I see it. Anybody else? Yeah, I see it. I see it. Anybody else? Yeah, right there. Back there. Anybody else? Father, I pray that your presence would be so real, be so powerful. That God, the reality of Jesus who you are and what you came to do, would just transform hearts and lives right now in Jesus' name. We pray that that people be welcomed home into relationship, that you would forgive sin, that you would make what is wrong right in their lives and bring about this great blessing that you have for all of us online. And Father, we thank you for it. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, will you stand with me, church? I just want to take a moment before we go out into our days. Can we just take a moment in the presence of God, maybe if you made a decision to follow Christ, maybe you made a decision to take a bold step. Or maybe you're just here and you're saying, I know somebody who is or I'm excited about what God has for my life. Can we just take a moment all across this place? Would you lift your hands and say, God, I say yes to you. I say yes to who you are. And I believe in faith that you are going to bring about what you have spoken to my heart. And So, Lord, I'm going to trust the word. I'm going to trust the truth. Let your kingdom come. Father, we love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, let's worship.